That was a question by Shabbat Sabatitsky. He asked his community in Antwerp one Sukkot. One guy got up and he said that he was living in Romania when the Nazis came. And he was living in this, in the first floor of a building and the kitchen for their home was in the courtyard. So when came the holiday of Sukkot, Nazis were already in Romania, so they were, everyone was frightened to uh, make a sukkah. But his father took a hammer and he hammered out a hole in the roof of the kitchen and they had a sukkah in the kitchen. The only issue was is that sukkahs lasted a lot longer that year than did other years. It was rain. It was rain and, it was, and they tried to put plastic there, other things. It didn't help. And, uh, but he said till today, all of his family feels a connection to Judaism because of that sukkah. Because his father went beyond all uh, protocol, and of course with his mother's support, to, to make a sukkah. What is it about sukkahs that encompasses, that brings together all the Jewish people? That connects, everyone feels a connection to this yantar. What, what is it? The Alter Rebbe, when he visited in Zichimagat for the first time, you heard a teaching from the Zichimagat, Name of Baal Shemtev. said that in the Schach of the Sukkah, in the shade of the Schach of the Sukkah, you have the same shade as from the Kteras, from the incense that the Kohen Godel, the smoke of the incense of Kohen Godel offering in Kippur. And, and the Baal said that in this Schach, in the shade, you have an expression of Ahavti Eskamam Rasha, of Hashem's unconditional love for every single Jew. The question is like this, what's it, what is the kateris, what is the, the incense, the offer of the king Godel, what does that have in common with the, with the smoke of, what does that have in common with, this, with the shade of the schach? What's the relationship between them? The kateris, Rabbi Shemar Yechoi said, that although all, get, all of the sacrifices were offered to Hashem, are precious to Hashem, the most precious gift to Hashem was the uh, with the kateris. that and that's why the kateris, the incense was offered all the way inside the base of English. Base of English are different parts. There's an external altar, there's an inner altar, and the the kateris was offered all the way inside in the inner altar. The the two altars mirror two parts of the heart. It says the external altar is related to uh, in ourselves. We also since the base of English is destroyed, until Mashiach comes, we also have our spiritual base in English. And after Mashiach comes, we also have the spiritual base in English. What's external altar in ourselves? What's inner altar? How come all other sacrifices were offered in the outer altar and then the Kateris was offered in the inner altar? So the word carbon means to come close. The word Kateris comes to the word Keshe. In general, um, the, in Unkelis, it always translates Keshe as Katar. So, Torah has to do with the connection. There's a difference between being close and being connected. The offering of sacrifice to Hashem is that you offer to Hashem, you give to Hashem your mind, you give to Hashem your feelings, in your, in your davening, in your learning, you offer something to Hashem, you want to be close to Hashem. But it's possible you're close to Hashem, but you still stay on the outside. In other words, you're, you're being close to Hashem, but you still maintain your distance. The idea of Torah, means that there's a bond there, it's a deep bond that you don't they, they, that there's no one that there's no there's no separation. That you're completely attached to Hashem in a way 
but there's no, not that you're just close to him, but that there's there's no there's no one on the outside. That's why it's on the inner altar, because the inner altar represents the inner part of the heart. There is a feelings we have because of the way we think. I think some way today, I think a different way tomorrow, and it affects the way I feel. That's the karbonus. What we offer to Hashem, the outer altar, has to do with how we feel and what we want to give. The inner altar, the inner part of the heart, is about the love that Jew has to Hashem that's beyond logic and reason. And that's why it was so special, so precious to Hashem. The question is, if it's so special and so precious, so if we want to make a sukkah that carries that, that love, that, that, that pleasure that Hashem has, so you would think that it should be something that's precious. We should use diamonds, we should use gold, we should use silver in order to make a sukkah. But the truth is, make a sukkah, sukkah is made from sales garden, garden Yaakov. The says you make a sukkah from the leftovers. The leftovers of your silo, leftovers of your grain, leftovers of your vineyard, the leftovers. Don't use the main stuff. Don't use, not only that, even a tree is not kosher for a sukkah. A tree is only kosher for a sukkah if you cut the tree off the ground. But a tree attached to the ground is not kosher for a sukkah. So that means that not only is it not a lot, of, it's not, is a sukkah not, not something precious, not diamonds, not silver, but even within, within the, the vegetation, it can be vegetation, it has to be specifically something inanimate, something that, and, and it's a temporary house, it's outside, it's not so, it's not so pleasant. Why is that representation of the deepest and holiest and, and deepest satisfaction that Hashem has in the world? As Hashem Yerichoy said, this is, this is the deepest satisfaction Hashem has in the world. Why is it represented, why is it connected to, to, the, uh, to, to the, the shade of the sukkah? There's even a halacha, not a halacha, there's a component in the k'tairas, which is not kosher. The k'tairas has in it, the Rambam says, one of the ingredients, the myrrh, which is in the k'tairas, is made from dam chayyadua, is made from a non-kosher animal. So if it's such a high holy thing, why in the k'tairas does it have this, this thing? So the answer is, is precisely because the k'tairas represents the deepest connection of us and Hashem, the way that's beyond logical reason, the way that can't be, in a way that can't be defined, in a way that can't be limited, that's why the k'tairas is allowed to have something which is not kosher. When does something not kosher separate when you're talking about something which is more external. But if you're talking about the essence of a Jew, being connected to the essence of Hashem, even something which is not pure, not holy, it can, still can't separate between the Jew and Hashem. It's still something which, not, nothing can separate there. That's why there's another halach, Chaim Rizker says, what happens usually if someone offers a sacrifice, they don't have the right intent, the sacrifice isn't, inval- isn't valid. What if someone offers a k'teris, a coin brings a k'teris, doesn't have the right kavana, doesn't have the right intent. Chaim Brisker says it's still kosher. Why? At this level, level k'teris, the action itself, you bring the k'teris, makes a connection. Your intent can't fix it, your intent can't break it. It's kosher without your intent. Why? Because it's, it's, it's an expression of the essence of a Jew, the essence of Hashem. So now that we know what the k'teris is, let's try to figure out why this is connected to, to the sukkah and how, why this affects uh, it's such a, connect, a inspiration of all kinds of Jews. Well, what is it? It says that the first half of the month of Tishrei is smoyli tachas l'reishi, and the second half of Tishrei is yimit tachavkeni. The first half of Tishrei is represented by the pasuk, his left hand is under my head. The end of Tishrei, the second half that we're in now, is connected to the end of the pasuk, his right hand hugs me. The left hand of Hashem represents how Hashem shows his Hashem shows his justice. Hashem shows his judgment. Hashem shows us that he is the king, that he's the boss. That's why the first half of the month is Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, times of judgment. The second half of the month, Sukkot, Simchas 
is his right hand embraces me. The second half of the month is about Hashem showing his love for us, his closeness with us. And specifically, what kind of love? The love of a hug. Why the love of a hug? Different ways of showing love. Have love that's expressed in words. See a love of a father and a son and a mother and a daughter and a son to a father and a mother and a daughter to a father, to a husband and wife. They can, all, they can express their love for each other in their words. They express how much they love each other. Then there's a higher kind of love. It's not expressed in words. But the father has to go and he has to give his son a, a kiss. He has to give him a kiss. Can't express, not enough. Words don't, don't express it. Is love enough. He has to do, do more than that. He has, he has to give him a kiss. Why? The love is so intense, he has to do more. Then there is a great love that even the kiss doesn't, doesn't express. A love that is only expressed in a look. Sometimes you could see people, the way a mother looks at a daughter, a father looks at a son. Now, you can't, you can't even like, it's not even fully expressed by uh, the words, by the, by the kiss, just in a look. It's a, even a higher expression of love. But the, the way the Torah explains the love of Hashem to us in Sukkot is more than words, more than a kiss, more than a look. They did this study on these on these uh, on these couples, and they basically these couples were having a hard time in the relationship with each other. They told them, just look at each other, and then somehow just looking and trying to see the good in each other somehow brought out positive feelings in, all, in a way they, they didn't expect themselves. It was something shocking. So beyond all these things, there is something that, that is represented by the hug. What's a hug? The difference between a hug and a kiss is in two things. In a kiss, or in all these examples, in a kiss, or in, in words of love, or, or, or in... Um, in a look, thank you. In all these expressions, they, they, um, you have to, first of all, the one who, who you're giving it to has to want to receive it. If you want to tell someone they love you, you love them, and they're not interested in hearing it, they, they won't hear it. You want to give them a look and they're looking away, they're not going to receive it. You want to give them a kiss and they, they, they turn away, you're not, you're not, you're not going to be able to kiss them. And in all these kinds of love, it's face-to-face kind of thing. However, in a hug, two things. Number one, the hug is from the back, not from the front. Number two, the hug is in a way, the person doesn't want, doesn't want to be hugged, but if you give them a hug, they are hugged. There's, if you can't unhug a hug. A hug is a hug. A kiss, you can turn away, but a hug, you're hugged. What does that mean? When, you, when you, you appreciate someone's greatness, someone's humor, someone's wisdom, you appreciate them, and therefore, therefore you, 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 you kiss them. You appreciate who they are, you kiss them. It has to do, you're looking face to face, look at the, who the person is, and you're appreciating the way they are, and that's why you want to kiss them. But then there's something else that you don't, you're not appreciating something specific about them. It's not their wisdom, it's not their humor, it's not the way they look, it's just the way them. It's not because my life is not complete without this person. That's, I'm appreciating something about this person, what this person gives to me. Why do kids love hugs? Why do, why do kids love hugs? You like, you like hugs? Hugs are cool, no? When a kid gets hurt. Okay, when you're talking, you're not, not for me. I'm so, so, so uh, when, when, when a kid gets hurt, what does he do? He wants to get hugged by his parents. Why do you want to get hugged? What does a hug do? The hug isn't the, when you're looking at someone and you're talking to them and somehow you love them, you kiss them. So it, it has to do with with their goodness and how that, their goodness completes you, what you get out of them, what you, how we appreciate about them. A hug is just you're hugging the person. You're hugging them, they're, they're back. Hugging the back represents it's not about anything that they're giving you and anything that you appreciate. It's just them as them. You love them for them, not because of what they give to you. 
And that's why Sukkot is connected to Ahag. When we dive into Hashem, we learn Torah, we're turning towards Hashem. We're turning towards Hashem, we're learning, we're davening, we're appreciating, and we're giving something special to Hashem. So Hashem appreciates it. That's in the Zayar, that kissing, that to learn Torah is like a kiss. That's like when you kiss, so your breath, other person's breath are connected to each other. So to learn Torah, your innermost thoughts, and Hashem's thoughts, so to speak, are one. But when you're in a sukkah, what are you doing in the sukkah? You're eating, you're drinking, you're talking to your friend. So ordinarily, that's not a mitzvah. Ordinarily, that's nothing. You're turning away from Hashem. You, you went to shul, you learned in your daven, and then you went home to, go out to, to eat breakfast. It's not a mitzvah. But I'm sukkah, Hashem says, I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go. You want to have breakfast? Breakfast is with me. You can have lunch? Lunch is with me. You want to talk to your friend? That's with me. That's a mitzvah. I'm not letting go. That's going to be a mitzvah. That's the thing about Hashem holding us in the back. Bring us close to it. Hashem says there's no such thing as something not being connected to me. Hashem takes us the way we are, whatever's going on inside us, it, it doesn't matter. Hashem says, I want to be close to you. It doesn't matter what's going on, what you're interested in. You're turning away. Hashem says, no, it's going to be with me. And that's why sukkah is a unique mitzvah that encompasses the entire person. There's no part of us that's not in the sukkah. Every other mitzvah, you're expressing closeness with Hashem in a certain way. A woman separates challah with her fingers. You're diving Hashem with your mouth, with your heart. Sukkah is not about a certain specific thing that you're doing. Sukkah is about you, yourself, the way you are. The Ebershah says, I, I love you because of you. Because you're, you're my, because of you. Not because of what you're giving me. In the sukkah, there's expression, Ahafi Yetzcham HaMarashim. Hashem says to us in the sukkah, I love you. And that's why it's made out of these things which aren't so special. Not made of diamonds and silver and gold, whatever. Hashem is telling us, I love you the way you are. With your mud, with everything that's not good in you, I love you the way you are. Amazing, amazing story. Rabbi Pinion Druzier, the Rebbe's emissary in Fort Lauderdale, he once he, he made a, a very big um, sukkah celebration. There were five, six hundred people there. And uh, one gentleman, his name is David Israel, he is visiting from Caracas. He usually goes to Israel for sukkahs. He's 94 years old. He's born in 1929. And he wasn't planning to, uh, the doctor didn't let him travel, so he was there for sukkahs, and he asked Rabbi Andrusier, can I speak for four minutes? A lot of people, older man, okay, four minutes, fine, four minutes. He spoke for an hour, but no one got up, no one sneezed, no one coughed, everyone was glued in completely to what this guy had to say. He said like this, he said that um, he was taken with his parents to Auschwitz, from Islam, and he was, he was 15 years old, and his, his mother and his siblings were right away killed, and his father and him were put in two different, two different uh, bunks, two different bunkhouses. He said, huh? He said that, that he, it, was a, it was really unfortunate for him that he was in two separate, separate bunks, why? Because if he would be with, with his father, his father would for sure have given him his food, and his father wouldn't live, and because they were separate, so he, could, he, he, he was so hungry, he was 15 years old, and his father was able to eat his food. He, he ate the little food that they gave them in Auschwitz, a tiny amount of food, a more, more, little morsel for the day. So one day, a Nazi walks into his trip, his, 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 where he was staying, in that, in that little barrack. barrack, thank you. The Nazi walked into the barrack, Nazi says, who here speaks Hungarian, Russian, uh, here, Hungarian, Russian, German, and, uh, and the fourth language, I remember. So he didn't speak any of those languages, and French. 
It's me. I speak all those languages. Okay. <laughs> Come with us. What, he was a chairman. He was hungry. He figured maybe they want to give me more food somehow. There's no, no, no job. I'll take it. Why did there was no job? They wanted someone to give out the food. So the Nazi guard took him to this small barrack just for him. This, you, you, you could take over this position of giving out food. But look at the tree. There was a man hanging from the tree. This was a person on the job before you. He was selling the food. People doing do papers for him, giving out more food. That's what happened to him. If you do this, that's, that's the same way you're going to end up. You have to be straight. No one gets any extra food. Exactly what you're given, nothing else. So he was very straight. He had no choice. One day, a guy knocks in the middle of the night, Auschwitz, a guy knocks on his door, and his name is Tzvi Hirsch Meislish. Tzvi Hirsch Meislish was a rabbi, a famous, he, he recognized him. He was a rabbi in Galicia, in, uh, in, in a town called, uh, I don't know what the name of the town, Milnitz or something like that. And he, in this town, uh, was a, a Rosh Hashiva, he made a yeshiva, he had hundreds of students, and this guy now is knocking on his door, on, on, in, his, in his barrack in the middle of the night. He recognized him. He said, what do you need? This, this boy, David Yisrael, wasn't from, wasn't religious. But this Tzvi Hirsch Meislish, he said, I managed to build a sukkah, tomorrow night is sukkahs. I want to have two loaves of bread so I can do Lecha Mishnah Mekidosh. So two, a, a, a one loaf of bread in Auschwitz is equivalent, this is what David Yisrael saying the story, is, is equivalent to a million dollars. So if someone walking over to you asking for a million dollars, you, you can't imagine, a loaf of bread is a million dollars. So it, whenever, you know the guy, don't the guy walking for a million dollars, it's, it's, it's nothing you ask for, it's, it's impossible. They want two loaves of bread. So he's like, listen, I, I, if I give this to you, I'm going to be in big trouble. He told him about Nazi's warning. So he says, don't worry, don't worry, I'll take it, show me where it is, I'll take it myself. You don't have to, you don't have to give it to me. By the way, the reason they were able, he was able to build a, a sukkah was because the Nazis put outside these, these um, uh, parts of beds that they stacked up because they didn't have place, places for people. And he was able to put them together and, and to create a little sukkah, put some, some leaves on it, and he had a sukkah. Anyways, he says, if, I, if, if they take the bread, it's on me. If you take bread, it doesn't matter. Who, who, if you take bread, it's on me. They're going to see there's not the same amount of bread. I'm, I'm going to just be on me. That's what's going to happen to me. But suddenly, as he's speaking to him, he felt this inspiration from his neshama from his soul. And he suddenly felt this, this, this huge inspiration. Shalom ah. He felt a sudden yearning. And he said, I agree. I agree to do this for you on one condition. The condition is, I want to be there with you in the sukkah. I want you to take me to the sukkah. I'll let you take the two loaves of bread, one condition. I want to be with you in the sukkah. So this uh, Rabbi Meislish, all of a sudden, he's like, no, 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 you're 15 years old, I'm an old man. He later, by the way, became a, a, a rabbi in Chicago, this Rabbi Meislish. He says, I'm an old man, doesn't matter what happens to me, you're 15 years old, I can't accept this. If they catch you, you're 15 years old, you'll have your whole life ahead of you, don't do this. He says, no, that's a condition. You want the bread? This is the rule. So Rabbi Meislish agreed. He gave him two loaves of bread, and the guy... And they, and they met together the next night. They went the first night of Sukkot in Auschwitz, and they made Kiddush, and they had our loaves of bread in Auschwitz together. They both survived. Many years later, Rabbi uh, David Yisrael was invited to this dinner. A dinner on behalf of some organization, this rabbi was coming, and this rabbi says a story 
about being in Auschwitz and having a sukkah. And he says, a story, this guy wasn't religious at all, this 15-year-old boy, and I told him I wanted two loaves of bread, and he said, I, only if I could be there with you in the sukkah, he put his life in danger, this 15-year-old kid wasn't religious at all. And David Yisrael realizes, this is the guy. He gets up, he says, Ich bin der Yingle, I'm the guy, I'm the child. And they hug, and they kiss, and they, and they cry, and they hug, and they cry, and they hug, and they cry. This man, David Yisrael, sang this story to this crowd in Fort Lauderdale. When he finishes talking by Rabbi Andrusier's um, event, he says, two, 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 two guys are talking to each other. I mean, Andrusier hears two guys talking to each other. One, one, two American guys, not religious at all. One says to the other, wow, what do you think got into this kid? Why do you think he wanted to be in the sukkah? Why do you think it would matter to be in the sukkah? Like, where does that come from? So the other guy gave him a brilliant answer. He said, imagine if you were in Auschwitz, Islam, and you could see for a second, by the way, Rabbi Meislash, he lost in Auschwitz his wife, his son, and six daughters. Imagine if you could see your, your you, you, didn't, you could see your father for a second. It doesn't matter the fact that your life was in danger. You could see your father for a second. Since in a similar way, that's what it's like to be in the sukkah. Being in the sukkah is like being with your father for a second. Rabbi Shimba Yochai once shared the following teachings and his and Rabbi Yisri said it was worth being born just to hear this teaching. I don't know if it's worth the extra two minutes of your time, but it's worth being born to Rabbi Yisri to hear this teaching. What was the teaching? It says like this, says in the, we say every day in Davening, even the Jewish people were in the land of their enemies, I did not despise them and not disgrace them to destroy them. Even in the land of their enemies, Hashem said, I didn't despise them, I didn't disgrace them to, to destroy them. So Hashem asked, why does it say, Lachaloisam? Say Laharga. Why is say the funny word to destroy them in that funny way? It's an unusual word. And the answer is, he says Lachalesa means Lashon Kalei, Lashon of, of yearning. He says that to Hashem, the Jewish people in, in Golas, in exile, are like a kala, like a bride in a tannery. Tannery is a place of very, very foul odor. An odor goes by the where you are. An odor goes how you feel about where you are. So, if a Jew is in exile, the Jew is middle of, of Golas. For the Abishter, the Abish looks at a Jew like he's his kala. And since it's a Jew is Hashem's kala, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, Hashem, it, it smells like a place of great perfume. That's the Indian of a sukkah. The sukkah is a place where, that's why a sukkah has to have a minimum of two and a half walls. Why two and a half walls? The Rizal says because just like in your arm, there's a joint from your shoulder to your elbow, and your elbow to your wrist and your hand. So to the sukkah is a place where Hashem hugs us. And that's the reason why a sukkah, our custom is, I'll never forget this, my grandfather, there was one night of sukkahs, it was raining, crazy rain, and there was a Jew in there named Max Fulman. Max Fulman was the only Jew, wasn't so firm, wasn't so religious. We had a party in the sukkah. And Allah is, if, you, if you're not enjoying the sukkah, you go inside. But chassidim, we stay in the sukkah. We stay no matter what. And Max Fulman's sitting there in the sukkah, and he's getting drenched. My grandfather kisses and says, Max, I am jealous of you. Look at how you're getting saturated with the holiness of the sukkah. That's what happens on sukkahs. We experience Hashem's hug. And that's why the halacha is, if you're not enjoying it, don't be in the sukkah. It's not a mitzvah. If you don't enjoy it, why not? Because the whole idea of the sukkah is to commemorate how God protected us with the, with the clouds to give us air conditioning. It wasn't to protect us from snakes and scorpions. It was to make us feel comfortable, right? That we feel Hashem's love for us, no matter what's going on, you should be comfortable. That's the meaning of the sukkah. Hashem showing us His love, that He wants us not just to survive, to feel good. 
It's Hashem's love. So when someone loves you and hugs you and gives you, you be like a stone and not love him back. If someone gives you and loves you and hugs you, 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 you love him back. That's why Hasidim in, in, in the sukkah does it. It's raining, it's not raining, it doesn't matter. So anyway, that's the power of sukkahs, and that's why sukkahs encompasses every Jew. Maybe should help us to celebrate sukkahs with besim chotolivov in Yushalayim and be in the sukkah of Lev Yasser with b'shir haber. It's part of mamish m'sheh tzikein. Amen.